We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, I hear the post-Super Bowl lull is real, so we're here to try and get everybody through it, including ourselves here on the back end of Las Vegas and our awesome trip to Radio Roll and Super Bowl 58. We're here to discuss what yesterday, Sarah, means for the Baltimore Ravens and really the, the entire league moving forward, being that the Kansas City Chiefs are now reigning champs times two back-to-back, and they'll be looking for a three-peat in 2024 25 they beat the 49ers in overtime in Vegas 25 to 22 and this one had a little bit of everything didn't it uh, uh yeah it was like I said to my husband as we sat down to watch it I was like more than anything I just want a good game you know and that's what we got when you get to go to overtime and both teams get to have a possession in overtime um there's definitely lots of criticisms being shot over at Kyle Shanahan and the and the 49ers right now but I got to tell you, like, I like if you have to lose, right, to the defending champs, we had said it a million times. It'd be one thing if the Ravens had lost to them when it was like it came down to like a last play, right? And But you still felt like you played your game. So uh, that's that's at least the way the 49ers went. They, you know, they they stayed true to their identity. They had some injuries and and all that. And then. In the end, they, you know, I think Kyle Shanahan made a mistake. But in the end, uh, even if he hadn't made that mistake, I don't know that they that that you could have stopped Patrick Mahomes. And so when you ask, like, or when we say, like, what does this mean for the Ravens dynasty? Like, it's really it's back for to those Chiefs kind dynasty. of what does it mean for the that? Chiefs dynasty? What did I say? Ravens don't have one yet. Yeah, yeah, no, Ravens <laughs> don't have one. Yet. When you talk about the Chiefs dynasty, thank you. Um, it's and I don't want to quite say it's a it's a it's, it's not like an, a Tom Brady one yet, although it's certainly on that trajectory um, and they're looking to three P, you know, but right now it's like it's like because of the of, of them winning in the Super Bowl and Mahomes and Andy Reid having three rings together now two in a row, then it becomes the Chiefs and then everybody else wants to fight for their position to say it's us versus the Chiefs. But nobody's been able to separate yet. Not the Ravens, not any certain quarterback, nobody. It's the Chiefs and the Chiefs alone at top. And somebody else needs to break free from the pack. And, of course, here in Baltimore, we want it to be the Ravens. That is the reality, right? Like, he Mm -hmm. does not have, and the Chiefs do not have, like, a grade-A enemy number one. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a bunch of teams vying for it. To your point, there's a bunch of single individual quarterbacks that are vying for that status to go up against Patrick Mahomes. But right now, that is up for grabs. There are yeah. two titles up for grabs. You know, uh, an enemy in, in, in a team figure and in the co- in the category of individually, too, at quarterback. And so everybody's going to be gunning f- for that moving forward because this team, you cannot play uh, – you have to play mistake-free football against them. And if you don't, the Ravens learned what happens. The 49ers learned what happens. And I thought Akash summed it up perfectly. The hardest part to stomach – Right, not just as a 49ers fan, but as a fan of football, is the opportunities that San Francisco squandered in the first half alone. Right, Kyle Shanahan's dialing up a great opening script, as many offensive coordinators do, and they fumble. Christian McCaffrey, shocking in that kind of situation. Isaiah Pacheco, a fumble on the Kansas City side of things, and San Francisco can't turn it into points. Same thing from a home's lone pick of the day. Didn't turn into points. Matter of fact, I think it was a three and out, if I'm not mistaken. You combine that with a special teams error on that punt, and yeah, it does add up to a loss, but it definitely adds up to a loss when you're against the Kansas City Chiefs. They will take those mistakes and and take advantage of them every single time. You just there There is no room for that kind of error against this team. There's no room for that type of error. And like, I think uh, the error that a lot of people are talking about this morning, and this is why, you know, everybody, you know, there's there's a lot of anger towards head coaches around these days. And, and I get it for, we've got John Breach here saying, I'm not sure I can watch Kyle Shanahan in another Super Bowl too painful. Um, lost against yeah, he'll the- be back. He'll be back eventually. Yeah, well, yeah, and that's, and that's, it's not that he won't, I'm sure he'll be back, but for them, it's like, is he going to win it? Right. Like yeah. when, when are you going to go over the hump, which is the same thing, the similar thing that we're hearing here, but as the Falcons um, offensive coordinator in the Super Bowl, he blew that 28 three lead. Now, obviously the defense has a lot to do with that, but they weren't putting up points. Super Bowl 54 blew a 10 point lead in the fourth quarter. Uh, it was the second largest blown lead. And then Super Bowl 58 blew a 10 point lead, which is again, the second largest blown lead and so what everybody's talking about this morning where is that uh it's not showing up properly i'll have to read it myself um but the 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 controversy for them is like why didn't you choose to um give the ball to the chiefs first in overtime you won you won the the coin toss why didn't you choose to give them the ball first now What's somewhat new, and this comes because Josh Allen didn't have a chance in overtime against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes in the, in the, gets the touchdown, and then you don't even get a chance to to tie that, which I think was a dumb rule. And so they changed it, but only for the postseason. To me, you should have the same rules, postseason and regular season. And I think during the regular season, both teams, it's the same in college, both teams should be able to have a possession. But Here's what's crazy. So this is from the ringer. Uh, they, they wrote the chiefs overtime plan worked out exactly how they had hoped. And it wasn't by accident. Kansas city's safety. Justin Reed told the ringer that the chiefs had first discussed the new overtime rules as far back as training camp. So that's how long they've been talking about it, where everybody gets a possession. Defensive lineman, Chris Jones told me players were prepared for what to expect if the super Bowl went to overtime. 
Then Jones says, we talked through this for two weeks. How, how we was going to give the ball to the opponent, if they scored, we was going for two at the end of the game. We rehearsed it. So that's smart, right? So if, they, if, if you give it to them and then you know exactly you have control of the, team, of the game, if they go down and they don't score, then all you need is a field goal. If they go down and they get a field goal, then you know you're going, you have four downs every time to get a touchdown. If they get a touchdown and get an extra point, then you got to go down and get a touchdown and go for two. So it's better with these new overtime rules to give the ball to the others first, but 49ers didn't do that. So the, the article goes on to say the 49ers did not do the same. Multiple San Francisco 49ers players said after the game that they were not aware that the overtime rules are different in the playoffs than they are in the regular season. That is bananas. Yeah, yeah. And strategy discussions over how to handle the overtime period did not occur as a team. Maybe they did as Kyle, you know, with Kyle Hamilton, but defensive lineman Rick Armstead said he learned the details of the postseason rule when it was shown on the Allegiant Stadium Jumbotron during a TV timeout after regulation, fullback Kyle Juszczyk said he assumed the Ravens had asked to receive when they won the toss because that's what you do in the regular season when a touchdown wins the game. And he says, quote, I guess that's not the case. I don't really know the strategy, Juszczyk says. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's rough. Here, here's Orlovsky more on that. Last night was the first night in NFL history with the new overtime rules that were put in place essentially after the legendary Mahomes-Allen game. There are a lot of people critical or at minimum questioning Kyle Shanahan's decision to take the football first when the 49ers won the coin toss in overtime. What do they say? Yeah, major component in why they lose the football game. Going into overtime, we were in the booth and I said, no way that you take the ball first. You want, you want to give Kansas City the ball and make sure because what happens is you give the other team another down. Right when they took it, I said, you're giving Mahomes four downs that you have no shot. You know, yeah, I don't care how tired the defense is because I've heard people say, well, the defense was gassed. Figure out a way to go out there for one more potential stop. If the worst case scenario is Patrick drives them down the field, you get the ball back, and then you still have control of the game. You can still, at some point, if you want, go for two. So, um, mistake by Kyle Shannon and the 49ers. You've done Orlovsky, guest of the show last week, who was awesome. We appreciate him for popping on at Radio Row. I think he summed it up perfectly. You give Mahomes another down. Yeah. That's that's it's a, that's it's a big difference if you're playing with four downs versus three cuz you know you have to get it. Uh, that's that's rough. That's rough. Yep. And and by the way, <laughs> Mahomes was the most expensive cap hit in all of the NFL this year at 37 million, okay? His offensive line had holes and I'm reading from Warren Sharp's breakdown on Twitter here. Uh, he, his first wide receiver in in Rice was a rookie. They played six straight games uh, at a rest disadvantage, weeks 12 through 17, the only time a team had to do that in NFL history. Uh, they played in Germany. They didn't get a first-round bye. Uh, you can go on and on and on. Like, this was supposed to be the year that they were most beatable, but they found a way. Well, <laughs> they found a way, as they often do, and uh, Chris Jones, after the game, um, you know, was asked, like, how did you guys, how did you guys have confidence that you'd be able to stop him in overtime? And then what he said is what we've been feeling, and it just makes it, it just rubs salt in the wound. Here we go. What gave you so much confidence in this defense and in the defensive play caller in Spags? Um, 
just the journey we've had to take, the adversity we had to face. I think we faced the best team in the league in Baltimore Ravens, hands down. And the journey we had to take was um, be one of the most pro prolific offenses in the game in um, our first game, Miami Dolphins. And then going to a Buffalo team who was steamrolling people and um, defeating them at home. And also going to Baltimore Ravens, which is a tough environment. MVP, Lamar Jackson, and that defense, man. And we was able to overcome them obstacles. We wasn't being defeated here. My early prediction is that we're going to see these two teams opening night. That's my early prediction for the NFL scheduling committee. Because as Jeff notes, yeah, they are set to play in Kansas City next year, this I fall. I think it definitely could be the Ravens. It wouldn't shock me if like Joe Burrow's coming back and he's finally healthy and they want to like make him versus Mahomes. Like I could see Burrow versus Mahomes. I could see Lamar versus Mahomes and maybe even the chart like Herbert versus Mahomes with Jim Harbaugh kind of debuting. So I'd probably put Chargers third, but I honestly could see Bengals or Ravens against them. Maybe I'd probably an edge to the Ravens just because they met in the AFC championship game. But Burrow coming back, you want to see him. I could see that storyline too. Oh yeah, clearly it's going to yeah. be one of the three you would think, right? Yeah. So, so there you have it. Uh, Kansas City's other home opponents are the Broncos, Raiders, Texans, Bucks, and Saints. For what it's worth, you know the other thing is when when you play mistake-free football the way Kansas City, well, they didn't fully do that last night, but it was about as close as you can possibly be, uh, and you also get this kind of contribution from your kicker. Uh, Harrison Bucker, I mean, are you kidding me? Look at the year that he had, too. He, he had the, first, first of all, he one-ups the longest field goal made in Super Bowl history from earlier on in the game, okay, on the San Francisco side with Moody and makes his own at 57, so that's a new record. He had two field goals from 50-plus yards, okay? And then just on, on the season, he was 46 of 46 when it comes to extra points. Seven of seven, 50 plus, 15 of 15, over 40, and 44 of 46 all in all. Also, thanks to Field Yates for dropping by our show at Radio Row last week. But but this is the type of stuff, right? And the Ravens are lucky to have, you know, an equivalent on their side. But this this stuff matters. It, it matters. In fact, I um, – until – I thought what Pat, Patrick Mahomes mostly did well in that game is he didn't have any massive mistakes that ended up hurting them in the end. Right. right Where it was right. like, just not forcing anything classic, take what the defense gives you. There were a couple of times where like they ran those RPOs where he went up the middle. And I was like, that's some, that's some like uh, Baltimore plays right there where, I mean, he just had it wide open up, up the right hand inside the gut, inside the tackle. Um, but he just he and he did the same thing against the Ravens. He just never put his team in a position that really hurt them. And then in the end, he did get the last drive. But the reason why I'm saying that is because it wasn't until the last drive I felt like it would like it's unheard of. But I thought Butker was the MVP. <laughs> like <laughs> I was like, would it be crazy to name a kicker the MVP of the Super Bowl? Because I thought it was off of his leg that the Chiefs even remained in it and then it then Mahomes does what he did in, in overtime but they wouldn't have gotten there if it weren't for Butker I just don't think they usually give that award to a kicker you know who had a heck of a game too that I thought maybe deserves some obviously the quarterback is going to take it at, at the end of the day we know how this this grading typically works 
But Trent McDuffie, their young cornerback, oh man, he he was he had some massive, massive plays. And I think he's only like a second or third year player. Like he's quickly emerged as an all pro for them. And he had a good game against the Ravens, had a great game yesterday in the Super Bowl. And so there, there's a lot. I mean, there's there's a bunch of different unsung heroes outside of, you know, obviously who we know deserves the award in, in Mahomes. But uh, speaking of deserving, there's a lot of folks that think that all of a sudden Patrick's deserving of the GOAT title. I see a lot of that going around from a lot of not notable people who are already willing to put him ahead of Brady despite, you know, the, the lack of, of Super Bowls compared to Tom. They're, they're looking at it from a statistical category, and, hey, maybe some of them have a have a point statistically speaking. Well, he's on a, he's on a trajectory to pass Tom Brady for sure. It like who and who knows what kind of like what could happen in his career in terms of injuries or Andy Reid retiring and if that would change anything. I mean, who knows Mahomes? I mean, Brady left Belichick and then went on to win with with uh the um the Buccaneers. So, uh, uh, personally, I don't put him ahead of Brady yet because Brady has so many Super Bowls, but what I will say is I thought it would be like decades, right? Maybe decade or at least a decade before we saw somebody starting to like even threaten having that many Super Bowls. And here we are. How old is Mahomes? Is he 28 or 29? He's he's not. I think he's like 28 years old. He's not 30. I know that. He's 28 and he already has three rings and he's been to nine AFC championship games. Like he's he's very much on the trajectory. Six. Six. Listen, I say a million. It feels like a million. I'm sick of this. Like he just keeps going there. So he's certainly, he's certainly like ahead of Brady where when when Brady was his age. I'll say that. The guy is he he is so cold-blooded, you know? And and that's what's like you, you can't teach any of that stuff. And so when you think about some of these guys who are going to try and rival him, like we mentioned earlier on, I think that's a real conversation. I think we're probably going to have, I don't know how many times this offseason, but there is like, whether it's Burrow, Jackson, Herbert, you name it, like one of these guys is going to have to step up and be a peer. Of course, they're all peers of Patrick. That's the wrong word. They're but not be on the a same true tier. rival. Yes. Yeah. They somebody needs to step up because right now the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes are on their own island and you can't infiltrate that island. <laughs> it is impossible to get on to land on that island. And and granted, the Ravens were two plays away from doing so. They were close. But yet so far, it's going to be a long offseason. It's rough. It's rough. So. Uh, I don't know why, but Shannon Sharp was talking about Lamar after the Super Bowl on his on his nightcap, and I'm seeing really, people, yeah. <laughs> well, what do you know? Like, you know, it's 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 Chiefs and and 49ers, but some for some reason Lamar got got picked on again a little bit here. So here he is with uh, uh, Ocho Cinco Ocho in in the uh, in Club Shay Shay. Lamar won his second. MVP. Second MVP, yep. But at what point in time do we start holding him accountable and says that's underachieving? You got the best, you had the best defense, you had the best off, you had the best rushing attack, you had the best set of receivers Mm -hmm. that you've had since you've been in Baltimore. And you were one vote. I don't know who that was that took that vote away from you. Because you was he was one way vote away, Ocho, 
from being a two-time unanimous MVP. Mm -hmm. And he had the AFC championship game. And he had the guy. Because the one thing we know about uh, 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 Patrick Mahomes, he's a big game hunter. Yeah. Some people, me, I'm a shore fisherman. I stand on the bank, throw my rod out there. Mm -hmm. I catch the little fish. I I can't catch no tuna. Mm -hmm. I can't catch no marlin. Right. Patrick Mahomes is a big game hunter. He's going hunting for Cape Buffalo. <laughs> That's what he's going to do. He ain't going pheasant hunting. Right. Right now, a lot of these guys doing pheasant hunting and quail hunting and mm-hmm. dove hunting right. and calling it big game. Nah. Patrick Mahomes got pelts on his walls. <laughs> and I know Peter don't want to hear me talk about that, but right. y'all at home, y'all get an understanding of what I'm talking about. Now, at some point in time, Ocho, it ain't enough. It's gonna. It's gonna be. He's gonna have to catch the MVP right. and turn right. him into Super Bowls. Yeah. Yeah. Because you keep. Well, he only twenty six. Mahomes is only twenty. How old is Patrick Mahomes? 27? 29. 29, huh? 29 right? You twenty eight. And that's it. Twenty eight. Imagine what if he played all the way to forty five like Brady? Nah. He- <laughs> Ocho, Ocho. Man, we couldn't find Ankh on Radio Row. We saw him, but we couldn't quite get him on the show now, could we? <laughs> he had quite the entourage, quite the entourage. So he, he here's what's funny is he's he's saying, at what point do we hold Lamar Jackson accountable? Um, like the question is, what do you mean hold him accountable? Right? Like what what do you mean by that? Because he later went on and say, you say, how do you do you hold him accountable and say he's underachieving? Well, I feel like Lamar has said that. Like when Lamar won the MVP, when Lamar won the MVP and he was doing those interviews backstage and he was talking with Garrett Downing of the team, Ravens Productions, and he was like, I for real didn't expect a second MVP. He goes, What I thought I was gonna get is that I thought I was gonna get a Super Bowl. Okay. So, so it's in the sense that he's underachieving, like, is he underachieving and winning a Super Bowl? Yeah. Lamar says that, like, no, which in, is in, why. In an MVP. Is, is Lamar huh? under, you, you're meant to say, is, is Lamar underachieving and winning MVP? Right? No, no. I mean, is Lamar underachieving by not winning a Super Bowl? Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. In those terms, Yes. And, and Lamar says that that's why Lamar is like, he's, he says that he doesn't want any individual awards. He wants the Super Bowl in that sense. And I don't think anybody denies that. So I don't, I don't know what Shannon's looking for. Like who here is denied that like Lamar Jackson and the Ravens have underachieved when it comes to the Super Bowl. We all know that that's why the Ravens fans are ticked off more ticked off at John Harbaugh. So it's like when he keeps he's been saying this all year at what point at what point do we hold him accountable and it's like he's been held account- accountable now does he's that mean that we can't <laughs> he holds himself accountable now does that mean that here in Baltimore we're going to pretend that it's all his fault nope and that's what that's the way Shannon talks Shannon talks as if it's only Lamar's fault so i saw that um that um, bit that they had when when Dan Orlovsky was on the show with them before the Super Bowl. It was during Radio Row Week. And they didn't want to hear that it was a bad game plan. Like him and Stephen A, they didn't want to hear it. But why? why? Like, And that is the point, though. They don't want nuance. And when you're like in the thick of it, you have to have nuance. And so like, heck yeah, the game plan mattered. It mattered. 
Lamar Jackson, his interception, that also mattered. Like him sometimes not running when it was there, that also mattered. But uh, Zay Flowers fumbling the ball at the one-yard line, that also mattered. And that's where the massive difference is. He, To me, it comes across as you want to hold Lamar accountable and say that it's all his fault. Whereas we all say, yes, him and the Ravens have underachieved, and he's not separated out from that. He's not blameless, but neither is John Harbaugh blameless, neither is Todd Munkin blameless, and, and you know, keep going down. And so I feel like he just wants it to be black and white. It's Lamar's fault, and he's and it's done. I like what e, ER Reaper or E Reaper 4 2 just, tw- just uh, live chatted in. Lamar's in the same spot that Peyton Manning was in for years, and we all remember how Peyton's career turned out as a two time. Super Bowl champion while Tom and everybody else were getting rings prior to, to, you know, he, he had a slow start. We've, we've run the numbers. Obviously the postseason struggles were a real thing for Peyton in the beginning of his career, but he was able to overcome them. And you just hope that, that the Ravens and Lamar will keep knocking on that door and perhaps they can become, you know, what, what isn't out there right now. And that is a direct enemy of the Kansas city chiefs dynasty. Our guy, David, who we had a chance to catch Just along that that line real quick, Bobby, um, and Shannon knows this because he played with them. So I grew up up in Denver, Colorado. I I was born there, and I graduated from high school there. So it was John Elway, right? And it was like, John Elway can't win the Super Bowl. I'm pretty sure that the Broncos and John Elway had been to the Super Bowl four times and lost four times. And then it wasn't until – I'm trying to remember how old he was, but he was well into his – I feel like he was in his mid-30s. And then the Broncos won back-to-back Super Bowls. And Shanahan knows that because he was a part of it. Um, Shanahan, I mean, Shannon Sharp was a part of that. Um, and so it's, it's. I guess the difference is, is the way he, he wants to talk about it. I feel, I feel like we all, you know, it's just, it's just more like the, he's not earning his, his money and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, if that's how you say is, is holding McCannibal, I disagree. But if you just want everybody to say that the Ravens and Lamar Jackson have underachieved achieved in terms of the Super Bowl, that's a fact. Our guy, David Andrade, who covers the Ravens, he, uh, we had a chance to catch up with him at Radio Row, and he had a chance to catch up with all the stars with, with great access, whether it was on NFL Honors Night or just throughout the week. And he had a chance to catch up with Ray Lewis and, and talk to him about how the Ravens can get back to where they just were. I know it was an awesome year for the Baltimore Ravens, but this shows you how competitive the NFL is. It really does, and, and it shows you that, you know, the bottom line is it's hard to beat a focused champion, and it's rewarding when you do lose and come back and do it. So the, the, the up and down of what makes this game so fabulous is just the fabric of what men chase after. You think the Baltimore Ravens will come back with Lamar Jackson? Hey, listen, listen, you can only you can only come back, right, when you get this close. I felt this pain, yeah. you know, and so to feel that, you got to understand there was something else I need to finish. I went through that 2011, and I told my team after that, we will be back at the same place next year to finish this. I remember that. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, so, you, so that's a mindset, right? Awesome, awesome. Not how the game goes up and down. I love my fans in Mexico. And I'm coming back real soon to throw a football camp in Mexico because it's been too long since I've been there. (laughs) The only thing you can do is come back. That was my biggest takeaway from that clip right there. That's all the Ravens can do. That's all they're going to be their singular focus this offseason. And they got to start to team build again, put the pieces together to try and beat who we know has become not. They're no longer the kryptonite. They're they're a beatable team. But. 
but they are the team that nobody has been able to get through yet uh, in this Patrick Mahomes era in the postseason. Yeah, and that's besides I, Tom. I, besides Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, and that's another thing I forgot to say in, in terms of of Shannon Sharp. It's like just as long as we're on the same page, because Burrow didn't beat didn't beat Mahomes in the Super Bowl. Allen hasn't gotten past him. Lamar hasn't gotten past him. So when you want to hold people accountable, let's just make sure we're putting them all in the same boat. Because as we've said several times, tier one is Patrick Mahomes, and it's up to one of these guys, Burrow, Lamar, um, um. Burrow, Lamar, uh, Allen, Herbert, all of them. Yeah. It's up to all of them. And and I don't even put Herbert in the. I, I put Herbert in a tier below Burrow, Allen, and Lamar. Yes. Like one of those three. It's one of those three that need to like break free from the other to, to challenge Lamar. So, but real quick with with um, with Ray, there's like there's a there's a, there's definitely a difference. I know there's a lot of people that are still salty as they should be. There's still a sting and sting with that loss because it goes back to what Chris Jones says. The Ravens were the best, and and it's that's what makes it so difficult to swallow with this that with the loss, and so the only way forward though, pe- people were not tr- are not trying to hear about like a comeback. They're not trying to hear about redemption. They're not trying to hear about any of that. Um, and so, but the team the team can't afford to sit around and sulk. They they absolutely can't. So my takeaway from 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 Ray there was like it's a mindset. It's a mindset. You can't you can't have a mindset that like it's impossible to beat the Chiefs. You can't have a mindset that he's the kryptonite. You can't have that mindset. It has to. And even though they lost, it has to go with Roquan. So he said, "Yeah, they're a good team, but we're a good team too." You have to find that confidence. And the the Ravens are forced to turn the page. Remember. They got back from that AFC championship loss. Eric DeCosta had to get back on the plane, and he went to the East-West Shrine Bowl. We've got the combine in two weeks. There's reports out of The Athletic that he's already he's talking with Zeitler, and they're trying to get a contract done, right? They're, they're doing contract nego- negotiations. And so the, the, it's, to me, it's harder for the fans to move on because they have no control. Do you know what I mean? Whereas the Ravens, they have no choice to do what Ray just said, and that's have a mindset of coming back because – any other type of mindset is a soft loser mindset. You have to move forward. So, but Ravens fans have no control, so they'll be salty longer. But I promise you, the Ravens have already had to move the page in, inside. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And by the way, the Chiefs aren't going anywhere. Andy Reid confirming just about an hour ago at his day after press conference, probably with a couple hours of sleep in him, that he is he is coming back for the 2024 season. And, and Travis Kelsey confirmed pretty much confirmed that as well up at the podium that they, they're going to be chasing a three-peat. So. And for me, that's what I want. Yeah. Like, I know I've seen a lot of people be like, when's Andy going to retire? I don't want him to. Like, <laughs> I want I want to earn this. I want to – I want the exact same opportunity we just had. I want it again. I don't want to run from it. Like, I want to – I want it to be Lamar is the one that broke through and beat Mahomes. That's what I want. We keep talking about this bunch of tears. I want it to be Lamar. I want that opportunity. And I'm going to be calling for it all year. I want what I want what Ray had. Ray lost against the Patriots in the AFC Championship game, and I want to beat them in the AFC Championship game, game again. I, I do not run from that. Give it to me again. Anything less is like watered down. Why would anybody yeah. else? Why would anybody want anything less if you're a fan of the team? I, I, I can't. I can't really understand that. One thing that uh, Shannon mentioned a couple minutes ago was that he didn't know who that lone MVP voter was who didn't give Lamar a unanimous distinction, right, for this year's award. Well, we now know it's it's Aaron Schatz. He's the creator of DVOA, which tracks efficiency within the NFL. He's a very bright mind, and he's been very, very adamant um, about his reasoning behind the vote. Did not go to Lamar, as we know. 49 of 50 first-place votes did. That one kept it from going unanimous. Kevin Ostriker of Lockdown Ravens had a chance to catch up with Aaron for but, that reasoning. What, one second. One, yeah, yeah. Well, so so Kevin Ostriker put out um, a video from uh, on his Twitter, which I think most people have seen. And um, I didn't grab that one, though. I grabbed a different one. The, the one that and, – and the reason why I didn't grab it is because it's this other one that I feel like really – was eye-opening to me to understand um, Aaron's mind. But basically when he explained it, he said that he used the DVOA. He cares about the entire season, not just the end of the season. And then he said, but just, but he said, my stat DVOA isn't perfect. So then he went to other like grading systems. So he went to PFF and then named off, I think two others. And he was saying all of them were like mine and we all have different ways of, we, he was saying we all have different analytics of arriving basically to the same conclusion. He mentioned briefly, briefly that he, and I do believe, I know he watches the games and he probably watches more games league wide than you and me and everybody that's listening. Right. So I, I give him that. Um, but I, I pulled a clip that where I think is where he goes wrong. So um, so I'm going to play this part when when Kevin is asking about head-to-head matchups and more context-related stuff. And I also think that an interesting point in the entire MVP argument is head-to-head battles and head-to-head matchups. Obviously, with Allen and Prescott, Lamar didn't play those two head-to-head. And obviously, you, you mentioned it. You're voting for... 
the entire season in your Yeah, I don't care that. about head-to-head. I'm not really interested in head-to-head battles at all. I'm voting for over the entire season. Right, because I was curious because, you know, he played Tui, he played Purdy, but obviously the top two. So it was it was something that some voters do keep in mind, but, I mean, in terms of Allen and Prescott, that wouldn't have necessarily right. mattered. And I, let me point out again, we talk about this, there's no award for best team. Right. We decide best team with this little tournament where the best team doesn't always win because it's one and done. And there's a lot of randomness. We don't get to give an award to the best team. The best team was the Baltimore Ravens as a team. Right. Because they had good coaching and because they had uh, Justin Matabike and they had Roquan Smith and they had Kyle Hamilton. And, you, you know, you can go on and on about the players that they had and the quality of those players on defense in particular and special teams were above average. And so this is nothing against the Ravens as a team. It's just a question of Lamar as a player. You're voting for the most valuable player, not the most, not the best team. So so with that, I assume that just like head to head record, you're not putting into account anything with. The, the, re- the overall team record, that also had nothing to do with your vote. No, because the over how much you contribute to your overall team record is shown in advanced stats. Like, for example, win probability added is directly how much you contributed to wins. Now, of course, Jackson was lower in that because the defense contributed so much to wins that by the time you got to the second half, there was no win probability for Jackson to contribute because the defense had kicked so much butt in the first half. Okay. There is so, a team award. <laughs> right. There is right. a team award. Right. It was, it was so, just given is, out last night. <laughs> which is why, Bobby, I pulled that clip. So here to me, that clip right there encapsulates and embodies perfectly why it can't be statistics only. And that statistics needs to augment what you're watching. Whereas he does it the flip way. He uses statistics first, and then he goes to the games to kind of differentiate after the statistics to see who's in the cluster statistically. And that's why he said if they were in a cl- if they were in a cluster to statistically, then he'd go to the, like use the eye test to see who who like breaks free. I say it should be the opposite. You, you know what I mean? And so like that. So a few things that I think is why you can't just go the way he went. And again, I'm not angry and I don't want to like slander him or whatever. I just want to have a substantive like argument back for number one. He talked about win probability because Kevin asked, well, do you take record into account? He said, no, because win probability is in there. And then he admitted Lamar couldn't put as much high grades in his win probability column because, but he gave all the credit to the defense. And it's like, wait, hold on a second. You don't get to the fourth quarter and you're up by 14 points by defense only. We've lived through that. We had the greatest defense of all time with Ray Lewis back in 2000. But just because we had the great, great defense, we weren't scoring 30 some odd points. So it was both the defense and the offense, including Lamar, obviously is the leader that by the time you get to the fourth quarter, you're just like sitting back and running the ball and trying to like waste the time. And so that hurts Lamar with the win probability in his grading system. But if you're watching the game, you're like, okay, whenever Lamar's chilling in the fourth quarter, that's because he did so much damage that he doesn't even have to, he doesn't even have to put stuff in that win probability can't, um, column. Then he said he doesn't use, he's like, I don't care about head to head. I don't care about head to head. 
Well, you should. I mean, you've got Hall of Fame quarterback Steve Young on our show before we went into the Ravens 49ers game, and we asked him about the MVP race at the time. And nobody had clearly broken through. There was McCaffrey, there was Lamar, there was Purdy, there was um, Tyreek, there was a ton of people. And he literally said on our show, he said the Christmas night is MVP night. And so that's another reason that you think differently. And it does matter when you come up big. It does matter. It, it like, I don't care if you put up 21 points in the fourth court, in the first court, and then you choke in the fourth. But his grading system doesn't care about that based off of what he said there. And then he's talked about best team. And that's the whole point. His grading system says that the Ravens are the best team. What good does that do for us right now? <laughs> what good does that do for us right now? Like, I don't care that his DVOA says that the Ravens are the best team because it's the Chiefs that are holding or that are holding the, the Lombardi trophy. So his grading system is like he puts equal weight onto every single game and every single play. I don't agree with that. And so there are some analytics kind of gurus who I respect a ton, and I use these stats myself again to augment what I'm seeing on the film. But like there, but MVP is subjective. And that is the point. If it were purely objective, we would make it a statistical award. You wouldn't need 50 voters and you wouldn't have any debate. It, you could just pick the stat. Do you want to give it to the like the touchdown leader of the year? Do you want it to give it to the best DVOA quarterback of the year? Like pick your stat and then there's no voting. That's not what it is. It is subjective and it is the eye test. And so that's why I just think he's wrong. I think he's wrong and fully going in on this and, and flipping it and saying stats first and then the eye test. And again, brilliant, brilliant mind, but I think it's, I think it's flawed to do it this way. And the flaw shows the most when he says the Ravens are the best team, but it's the chiefs that's holding the, the Lombardi trophy. I couldn't believe the. I could barely even get through the whole clip when he said that there isn't a team award. There is a team award. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what he's saying. Like he, he eventually went on and said the best team is essentially who holds the Super Bowl. Yeah. So it's highly advanced. It's a highly advanced grading system that that has some flaws. Yes. That has some flaws. Doesn't take away from his right to vote. Doesn't take away nope. from his bright mind, which you mentioned. Doesn't take away from any of that. Teams, teams look at DVOA too. I remember John Harbaugh yep. citing it a lot in 2019. So it's not like a worthless stat. Neither is touchdown passes, but it's not, it's, it's not a statistical award. It is something about watching it and who comes up in the biggest moments. And when they, and I don't see how you can't say head to head when you have Purdy and McCaffrey on one side and Lamar outplayed them both, why that isn't weighted in there. I think that's wrong. Steve, Steve was out in front of that. He said, this is going to be, this award is going to be decided tonight. And I think a yep. lot of people after that night, after that Monday night football the game, were ready. To, 49 other people agreed. So. They were ready. They were ready. Yep. All right. Here's that. Here are a couple photos from MVP night, by the way, at NFL honors, Mark Ingram, who we had a chance to catch up with, spend a couple minutes with. He was probably the most popular dude on radio row, by the way. So we didn't have a full interview with him, but we did exchange contact information with his people. Hope to get him on. Again, former teammates, and then, of course, one goat and hopefully a young up-and-coming goat in Ray and Lamar, respectively. Look at these two. He, my, I think my mom said it best. He looks studious the night of that MVP <laughs> award. He was looking studious. I love it. I love it. We we caught up. Like we, we mentioned uh, Mark Ingram. He is just the life of the room. Such a – just a bright, bright, fun 
energy around him. So I'm glad to see him and, and Lamar catching up there. Oh, yeah. And by the way, if you were wondering what our entire show ended up becoming, it was it, it was kind of foundational, I think, is the word that came to mind. It was just an awesome experience. We had Steve Smith Sr., C.J. Mosley, Marcus Williams, Dominique Foxworth, Rod Woodson, Rob Ryan, Jonathan Ogden, Tom Pelissero, Orlando Brown Jr., Dan Orlovsky, and Field Yates. Those were our few days uh, on Radio Row, and we did it all just based on grit. Right? Like We were running around that place. We didn't have a booking agent. My friend Jake Asman, who's become a friend of yours through, through Radio Row, was the reason why we got in to begin with. But after that, it was up to us. And so we just ran around like crazy people. We were uh, networking. We were, you know, pitching our show and had some some great names to show for it. And I think both of us probably it's, – it's funny when the best things come last. Yeah. I think that's kind of what happened with Steve Smith. If you haven't checked out that interview yet, please do so. It's, it's, it's on the vault. It's all platforms. And, man, he was just so thorough. If you had told me one week ago today and you show me this tweet, I'd be like, for real? Because I don't even have credentials yet. <laughs> like, yeah. and, and you're right. Like, I have never been on Radio Row before because when I was working for the team, we were always separate from all of that. Like we had dire like direct access to the team that was currently playing. Right. Like and I've n I had never been to the Super Bowl without the Ravens being there. And so, like, I had no clue what to expect. Uh, it's just a completely different experience. But I tell you what. I had an absolute blast. And the fact like this, this list of names that we ended up getting, plus all the other ones that were like promised and then ended up falling through or whatever, and we'll still follow up with a lot of them. It's just like, I, I can't even believe that weekend happened. And I still feel like we haven't even, because we're like a two person show and we're out there booking and then we're editing. And then like, we're trying to get the interviews and like, you know, do, do all of it. It's like, I still even feel like we've like pulled out the best parts from all of it. So we'll have to revisit some of them and like really dig deep. Cause I, there's stuff that Steve Smith said, especially that I really want to dive into. There's stuff that Jonathan Ogden said about Ronnie Stanley that I want to dig into. There's, I mean, uh, Dan, or, like there's just so much that I want to get to that we haven't even been able to dive into yet, but there's just so much good, inf good information in all of those. <laughs> oh man, they were long days, but it went by so quickly and it was, it was, so it was super rewarding. I'm, I'm sitting over here in, in a, in a post Vegas lull for sure. <laughs> we both got in yesterday that that jet lag is real, or maybe it's just the fact that it's man, the three hour time first, difference for me. Yeah. Yeah. The three yeah. hour time difference. But I think probably more about me is like, just the experience is over, you know, it's so much adrenaline and you can, you kind of come back and you're like, dang. Yeah. Man. Cause you put, that you was... put a lot of energy into that and like, you're like, yeah. Oh, maybe I can go home and rest. And it's like, Nope, let's, let's go. Yeah. yeah. So. so just wanted to say thanks to everybody for all the engagement and support while we were out there it means a lot. So a few quick hits before we jump and we will have a morning vault obviously coming up on Tuesday with maybe some of the stuff that you just sort of referenced yeah. that we have to kind of revisit. Uh, but the Ravens have promoted pass game coordinator and secondary coach Chris Hewitt. They're going to add the title of assistant head coach to take over what Anthony Weaver leaves behind, who left for the Miami D.C. gig. Uh, Hewitt is well-respected across the NFL. He's been with Baltimore since 2012. That news was tweeted during the Super Bowl by our friend Ian Rappaport, who we also had a chance to catch up with for a couple minutes. And I had a chance to introduce you to him, which was hilarious even though we had already met him virtually because I met him at Preakness last summer. And I was just like, Hey, 
I want you to know who at SG Ellison is. Yeah, all right. So because Pat McAfee so didn't know. I go meet him personally. I love it. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. That was funny. He's great, too, by the way. Ian, oh, what's Ian. funny is like I tower over him. Like yeah. I'm like slightly taller than you, but like I yeah. tower over Ian Rappaport. It's like, hey, hey, Ian. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no. Yeah. You, you, you are. I think a lot of people were noticing that online this week. Yeah. You, and you look, do not I lack in, in the height department. I wasn't wearing heels or anything. So that's good. <laughs> I think I think people were, were kind of uh, surprised by your height in that department. So no, I'm tall. That's, that's great. Tall for a woman, that is. Yep. I also saw somebody right. standing here. I look younger. It's like, what? Here, come back in here. Well, bring us back up, our faces. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, I got grays coming in. I got to go get my hair colored, but I appreciate that you say I look younger. I feel like I'm like looking at all my grays over here. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I like, though, is when you're in that type of environment with so many different dynamics, it does pay to have like a little bit of height, right? Like we're, we're trying our best oh, to like, like establish. You, yeah. When we go up to like, like, first of all, when you're up there with Jonathan Ogden, and that guy gives me like, he gave me like a big hug and the poor guy has to come way down. Or Chris Long, we went to go talk to Chris Long and he's talking to a bunch of people that are like, I mean, they're giants. They're absolutely giants. Yeah. So, yeah, it's crazy. It, it, this was one of the wild, I, I think any Super Bowl radio row is going to be, you know, who's who. Yeah. But the fact that it was in Vegas for the first time ever, yeah. I started thinking about this in the plane ride back last night. Like, this was Vegas Super Bowl for the first time ever. This town is about to have a professional baseball team in the next couple of years in the A's moving over from Oakland. This town has become not only the entertainment mecca, but it's about to become like a, a sports mecca and a legit market too. Yeah. So I, I was blown away by the experience. I had been there once in August, but this was like, this was, this blew out all my expectations. Vegas is perfectly suited to hold Super Bowls. I wanted it to be a bit warmer. In fact, I think it was warmer out east than where we were. Like, it was definitely chilly there. Um, at least chilly in terms – there's, like, no snow or anything, but, like, in terms of what you would expect from, from Vegas. But, like, it's just perfect. Like, I remember going to the New Orleans when the Ravens were there, and it was, like, hotels were booked, and you'd have to be, like, an hour out to get, like, a hotel. And uh, in New in Las Vegas, you don't have to do that. There's obviously hotels everywhere you look, and so yeah, that town is made, made, made to host the Super Bowl. And I wouldn't hate it if if they had some other ones in the future there. Even six four dudes feel short around. Yeah, you know, yeah. Kidding me? That makes me feel a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh man. Well, speaking of guys who are definitely tall, uh, and a couple former Ravens at that, who I know you are a big fan of. Me too. They were chilling courtside at a BYU game. You're all a monitor. I'll yeah. let you set this up accordingly. Well, I didn't even see it till later, but remember, so Las Vegas um, is about five or six hour drive from Provo. So I've been to Vegas a lot because I obviously was in Provo for many years and now my, my parents live there. And so, but yeah, you'd go down there for concerts a lot and, and whatever. And so um it's not surprising that joe flacco met up with austin collie which is not a raven but a former running back at, at byu and then dennis pitta they're still they were always tight like they were best friends and dennis pitta still takes credit for joe flacco's hair because and he should because joe was always buzzing it and dennis comes to town and is like look let me show you what you can do and now now everybody talks about how great his hair is but here they are courtside all right thanks a lot kev 
Back here at the Marriott Center, BYU up 32 to 29, and we got a star-studded crowd here. How about Joe Flacco? Comeback player of the year in the NFL. Yeah, it's with uh, former BYU football players, Austin Collie on the left, and then Dennis Pitt. Listen, those are a couple <laughs> dudes right there. How come I wasn't invited, Bobby? <laughs> yeah, former I know you should have been. Former BYU. Where, where was my invitation for that? <laughs> you should have been courtside. There's no no question. There should have been a third chair, for a fourth chair. <laughs> but go. those are a couple dudes right there. Like, yeah. Dennis, Dennis is looking good. He, right. he looks great. It's the hip, man. It's the hip. He could have been playing for so many more years. Could have been playing. I was pumped, by the way, uh, to see the Joe one comeback player of the year. Yeah. I think that was definitely deserving, and he was a worthy nominee, as all the others were as well. So for the fact that Lamar and Joe were both at the NFL honors six years after they were teammates, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> I'm telling you, they were inseparable. If you ever saw Joe, Dennis was there. If you ever saw Dennis, Joe was there. Like they were inseparable. But Lamar and Joe being at both being at oh, the I'm NFL sorry. honors. I thought you were still talking about these two. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like no, the fact they that they're both did. there. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's still surreal to think about. And I didn't pull it because for copyright reasons, but it, I'm sure everybody's seen it where they the NFL put together a video where it was kind of scripted and they had all the different winners for the different awards. And um, it was basically trying to encourage kids to dream because they showed like all their pictures for when they were young. And then now showing them winning these awards at NFL honors. And, but the script was perfect because there was one part where they were like, uh, you're never too young. And then Joe, then they cut to Joe or too old, you know, to like keep reaching for your dreams. And then it cuts to Lamar and he goes, then once you do it, go do it again. Cause he's like the two time MVP. I was like, this was gold. I wish I could I would like, it's, there's no way we could use that for copyright reasons, but I thought that one was really done well by the NFL. Totally. Totally. Yeah. It was, that was a, that was a heck of a night. So, and a heck of a week, but we are officially now in football off season. It's been a couple weeks of Ravens off season, but now we're in the NFL off season. I've seen some tweets out there that people think it should be an honorary holiday. The Monday after the Super Bowl. maybe they have a point. Not sure if that's going to happen. I don't hate it. The whole nation's watching that. They, they are. It. They are. And it had a little bit of everything last night. A, a, a stellar halftime performance. I felt like uh, Reba in the like, beginning and post What did everybody think of that halftime performance? Oh, man. Like, I, I think I Usher's like timeless. Usher. I, I like Usher, but, like, I was like – like, the people come in and they're like – for Super Bowl performances, like there was no, there wasn't like great production values for like, I'm like, where's like the fireworks and like, where's like the lights? I remember Beyonce, we all were giving out re like rings and we were all doing it in the stadium. And then they came in and then Usher came in and he's just sitting on a step right above the field. And then I could hardly hear him. And I was like, it just felt like they could have done better production wise. So I'm just curious what everybody thought about it. We got a Listen, couple of people saying they loved it. Usher's timeless. That dude oh, can he move. Is, he is. And then he brings out Alicia, and I'm like, okay. Alicia is... was my favorite part. I'm not going to yeah. lie. Yeah. yeah. I was on the plane ride, and I bought United uh, Wi-Fi, and I was streaming it. And I noticed, like, a quarter or two into the game, I, like, look out of my peripheral vision, and, like, four people are, like, looking over, and they're, they're watching through my stream, too. So we had a little <laughs> bit of a – we had a little bit of a Super Bowl party on our plane ride back. Um, but – but yeah, I was actually really moved too by the beginning. Like, like last year was really hard to top with Chris Stapleton. We all remember the memes with with Nick Sirianni having tears running down his face as as mm -hmm. Chris was saying the national anthem, which was just exceptional. 
But I thought, you know, post Malone, America the Beautiful, followed up by Reba singing the national anthem. I was like, I was on the plane feeling it, feeling emotion. And it's just like, it's so hard to truly put it into words what this like global event means. Like that is, I'm just thinking to myself as, as that's happening and I'm looking at, and Chris Jones was actually, they showed, they cut to Chris Jones and he was this year's Nick Sirianni with tears running down his face. But I'm sitting there on the plane being like, God bless America. Like this is unreal. <laughs> this yeah. is like, this is just ridiculous event. And uh, it, it's, it's what makes football, football. So. Okay, Tila, I see Tila's with me. She said it started kind of flat, but I ended up enjoying it. That's I felt like it kept getting better. But I also think I'm biased. My two favorites, a lot of people named Prince. That was a good one. I really liked Bruno Mars. And then it's probably because I'm partial, but I love the Beyonce one, and I was I was there for it. So That was um, 2012? That was 2012, 13, yeah. Yeah. So, so, but yeah. She was in the building with – I think she was in the building. Yeah, but – it was a who's who. It was definitely a who's who there last night, but it was all week long as we learned. So, yeah. All right. So, yeah, like you said, lots to unpack for Tuesday's morning vault, which we will. We'll try and get to as much content as we missed. And I'm sure the second half of today will have plenty as well um, as sort of the offseason begins. So, yeah. So looking over at my NFL tab right now under TweetDeck, and, and Mike McDonald quotes are coming up from some of the Seattle beat beat writers that I follow and, and I'm like, Oh, what's Mike up to? Oh wait, no, he's representing Seattle. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's not us. I know. It's, yeah, it's be a lot though, right? You, you go from like barely hearing anything about the guy at all, but now he's one of the 32 NFL coaches, you know? Yeah. 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 I just saw a question. Somebody asked like, how tall am I? I mean, I'm decently tall. I'm not like, yeah. What are you? I'm, five, nine. So last time I checked, if we want to be exact, exact. Okay. I'm five, nine and three fourths. Okay. But that was, I checked that, that was like several babies ago. So I, maybe I've shrunk a little bit. You know how you shrink? I don't know. Okay. But five, nine and three fourths. What are you, Bobby? Five, eight on a good day. Oh yeah. Plus let's be honest. I'll, I'll be, I'll be honest here. You are not standing up fully. No, I'm purposely here. coming down a little bit. Yeah. You, you did me a solid. So everybody was like, oh man, you guys are the same height. We're not. <laughs> we're not i i believe me i would just hung out with you for a week we're not the same height <laughs> yeah, we're not. we are not but as you, i learned you, in you august Rappaport beat, bobby let's let's not forget that <laughs> i have ian beat i am one of those sub six foot dudes that's what i am yeah i'm i'm five eight on a good day and that is with shoes on legitimately probably without him five mm-hmm. Five, my, five, seven, three, fours. My oldest son is going to pass you by real soon. He actually might be close to you. My my son has my genes. He's, uh, He's going to tell my sho- I have four brothers. I, I have four brothers. My shortest brother is six one. My tallest is six five. So. Yeah. He's going to, next time I see son, him. Yeah. 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 I'm, he I'm, he, I'm he gonna, should be at least six two or six three. We'll see. I'm going to show up with, with Healy's on next time I see him. Like, there's no <laughs> there way that. Yeah, like stilts or something. <laughs> yeah. I always make sure I have on flats for you, though. Appreciate you. Yeah. By the way, I, I, I'm on record for saying I'm very comfortable in, in my own body, in my own skin. Yeah. I'd be happy to I, – I would be happy to marry somebody who's taller than me. I think it'd be fine. All right. And, and – And you would get those kids, jeans in your in, – yeah, gene, gene pool. There we go. It would give my kids a chance to play hoops. There you go. Competitively for – not past youth basketball. Yeah. You know what I mean? So 
Jeremiah says, I have the head of a very tall man. Thank you. Thank you, Jeremiah. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> no clue. Yeah. Raven Sports Media. I'm 5'7", still growing. I'm still growing, too. <laughs> Bobby can still ride them kitty rides at the carnival. Here we go. <laughs> oh, here we go. You know what? I'm glad you're comfortable with it. That's great. You guys, I am. I am. Let's wrap this up. <laughs> I will tell you, though, when you're out on Radio Row or any, anywhere athletically, you, you saw what I did to see Steve Smith Sr.'s hand size. Yeah. I was like, come on. I was like, Steve, put up, put up your hand. Oh, my God. I wish His you had done that to Dan Orlovsky because Dan Orlovsky could have, like, doubled Steve Smith. Yes. He's got yes. huge paws. But everybody, like, you just – doesn't even matter what position they play. Yeah, you know, there were so many people that aren't even football, like celebrities walking around. Yeah, everybody. I'm I'm just such a small human being. But you see that, <laughs> you see that um, Seinfeld with the woman that has man hands, and her hands, her paws are just so much bigger. Like that's what I think of with some of these football players. It's like yeah. not just man hands; it's like giant hands. Tanya weighing in. That looks awkward, Bobby. A man shorter than his date. Not too tall, Bobby. Well, what about the same height, Tanya? I mean, I, I'm not going for uh, – I, I think it shows confidence. I think it shows uh, – but we'll have to see. I don't, I don't have any taller women in my life right no, now. No, so I, I had – so I had a friend at, in college, okay? She played um, on the BYU volleyball team, and she's like – she's a good like 6'2". Like she's tall, tall, tall. Yeah. And she dated a guy that I would, that's like shorter than you. And they got married. Good for and them. There was, Are they still together? First, they're still together. They have kids, all of that. And at first it was like shocking, right? It's like, what is going on here? But then over time you were just like, you know how like people say like, you can, there's like people who are fine looking, but like, their personalities make them even better looking than they are, right? That's what this couple was. Like at first you're shocked, but they were so confident with their relationship and they loved each other so much that it's like you, you grew accustomed and like you appreciated the confidence between the two of them. See, that's I fantastic. mean, it was a huge difference. I love it. I think that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. By the way, Lamar, Lamar is, I mean, yeah, he's tall. He's like six, one, six, two. Yeah. But so, he's not like a, he's not like a Dan Orlovsky or, Dan Dan Orlovsky tower or, Joe Flacco or like, yeah. Yeah. Well, we all saw the video of them backstage. Joe towered over him. Lamar like hugged it. Yeah, like, and like, like so, yeah, his head was yeah. on his shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, appreciate you. Welcome to football off season. Like we always say, we are a year round daily show. So we're just getting started. Gonna have plenty of content coming up. Free agency right around the corner. NFL Combine right around the corner. And of course, draft coverage will be Lamar Jackson is six two, by the way, and so is Patrick Mahomes. Josh six, Allen is six five. There you go. There you go. The tight end. So any any tight end you saw walking around Radio Row was absurdly tall. Gronk oh, was yeah. on another level. Gronk was like huge. Joe Flacco six six by the way. There so he's he's got four inches on Lamar. There you go. All right. So, all right, everybody. Well, appreciate you for dropping by. Hope you have a great post Super Bowl Monday. I know it's not easy, especially with now the back to back champion Kansas City Chiefs being a thing. But the Ravens are gonna have to move forward and find a way to hopefully become public enemy number one because they are lacking that type of team and individual uh, going up against Patrick Mahomes right now. That's the reality of it. So we will, of course, be back with you tomorrow morning for a Tuesday morning vault and plenty of content coming up throughout what I'm sure will be a busy offseason. Appreciate you, partner. Thanks again for everybody. Uh, everybody's support in Vegas. It was just a blast and can't wait to do it again next year in New Orleans. Later. Later.